Welcome to Failed Utopia, the podcast about utopian ideas and paradise lost. We look at utopian concepts of the past, present, and future, as well as utopian communities and cults, which promise the world to eager followers, but inevitably fail when it all starts to unravel. Hey, my favorite people. Today, let's talk about an environmental catastrophe that turned a tourism and wildlife paradise into a toxic wasteland. This is something that we're starting to see happening all over the world, and that's only going to become more of a problem in the future thanks to climate change. It's November 2022, and the COP27 Climate Summit is going on in Egypt as we speak. Oh, and yes, it also happens to be the midterm elections today, but let's ignore the elephant in the room, American democracy, for the moment, because I just can't deal with that right now. California's so-called miracle in the desert was the Salton Sea, lined with beaches and palm trees, luxurious resorts and vacation homes, many of them in a lakeside community called Salton City, which attracted millions of visitors to take part in all sorts of fun in the sun, like swimming, boating, water skiing, and fishing. Even celebrities loved it. There were yacht clubs, nightclubs, and golf courses. The Beach Boys hung out there in the 50s. So yeah, it was cool. But now, it's a poisonous, post-apocalyptic ghost town. In a basin called the Salton Sink in the southeast corner of California, the Colorado River flooded the area at various times throughout geological history, most recently creating the Salton Sea at the turn of the 20th century. The California Development Company was working on irrigation canals for agriculture in the region at the time, and when the river topped an irrigation canal, poured into the basin, and continued flooding for about two years before engineers closed it off, it created an unexpected oasis in the desert. It's not a sea, actually, but a lake with no outflow. The landlocked lake grew to be California's largest body of water, at almost 400 square miles. With no natural source of water flow, it remained full mostly due to irrigation runoff from farming in the surrounding Imperial Valley. The massive lake became an important destination not only for tourism, but also for migratory birds. During the 20th century, California lost 95% of its lakes and wetlands, which meant that birds were pretty hard up for crucial habitat and they found it at the Salton Sea. Now, I know people who listen to Failed Utopia are extremely smart. So some of you are probably thinking, hey, we have a lake with no outflow, and it's filling up with agricultural runoff. Could that get, like, I don't know, contaminated? Yes, yes it could. 
and the lake's salinity levels were rising rapidly by the 1970s, and scientists began predicting that eventually it would become so salty that nothing but bacteria could survive in the water. The more water evaporated, the saltier it became. By the 1990s, the lake was shrinking significantly, and the fluctuating water levels began to destroy much of the infrastructure, like docks and jetties, not to mention the clubs and resorts and luxury homes. Now all of these buildings sit polluted and collapsing, at least what wasn't outright demolished. Today, according to the National Audubon Society, all but one species of fish has died off, and many of the 400 species of birds that relied on the lake have also perished or don't stop there anymore. Here's the kicker. Dried up lake bed is now exposed playa, which is a health hazard for about 650,000 people. Dust containing toxins like arsenic and selenium blows off of the dry lake bed, contaminating the air for anyone living in the affected area. Hydrogen sulfide in what remains of the oxygen-deprived water emits a rotten egg odor. Unfortunately, the toxic air now has an outsize effect on the mostly Latino residents of Imperial County, which is one of California's lowest-income areas. The county has the highest number of asthma-related emergency room visits for children in the state of California, about double the average for the state, and asthma, headaches, and nosebleeds are common for area residents. There has been some effort put forth to address the problem, but surprisingly little given the magnitude of the problem and the decades-long time frame. In 2018, a 10-year plan to build 30,000 acres of habitat and dust suppression projects was introduced, but according to researchers, not much of that is actually taking place so far. Another idea floated is to refill the lake, either by pumping in water from the Sea of Cortez and desalinating it, or by leasing water from farmers with water rights in the Imperial Valley. But that would be expensive, and I have a tough time seeing what that would solve given that the lake would simply dry up again under extreme drought conditions. I'm sure many of you know the state the Colorado River is in, including the Mead and Powell Reservoirs. I think it's extremely unlikely that California will ever have enough water again to fill up the Salton Sea. Some people point to a possible silver lining of a lithium mining bonanza in the dried-up playa. But guess what you need a lot of for lithium mining? Yeah, water. There are still a few people living in small communities dotted around the Salton Sea, and some of these are offbeat tourist destinations, such as the famous Slab City Art Commune and Salvation Mountain, a religious-themed mountain made of trash that's as weird as it sounds. The Salton Sea was a slow-motion train wreck for decades, but it's not the only one. There's another salty sea out there you might have heard of, the Great Salt Lake in Utah. 
It's the largest landlocked saline body of water in the Western Hemisphere, a lifeline for millions of migratory birds and over a million people in the Salt Lake City metro area. But thanks to a lethal combination of an ongoing mega drought, climate change, and explosive population growth drawing water from the lake, the water level is already down by two-thirds and falling fast. As it continues to fall, the area will be exposed to all the same hazards as Salton City, decimation of wildlife and the local economy, which in this case includes everything from the local ski resorts to lucrative mining of the lake's valuable minerals like magnesium. And worst of all, the more the lake bed dries out, the greater the risk of toxic dust bowl events in which poisonous clouds of dust laden with heavy metals like arsenic will darken the skies across the Salt Lake City region. Unfortunately, we as humans are extremely good at denial and self-delusion, as discussed in the previous episode, so new residents continue to flock to Salt Lake City and other drought-stricken regions in the West. It might surprise you to know that Utah is one of the fastest-growing states in the U.S., and three-quarters of those residents are in the Salt Lake City metro. Yikes. The world's second hypersaline lake, Lake Ormia in Iran, has faced a similar fate. It was once the Middle East's largest lake, but after shrinking due to drought, climate change, and human activities such as damming up its tributaries, its dried-out playas have produced billions of tons of salt, which have dispersed in the wind, devastating regional agriculture. The toxic metals, including arsenic in the lake bed's dust, have also exposed the region's 5 million residents to health risks. Skin cancer cases have increased 30% among people in the surrounding areas. According to Iran's Ministry of Health, dust storms from dried lake beds are responsible for dramatically increasing hypertension, cardiovascular and respiratory disorders, vision problems, and death around Ormia Lake. And I really should mention Owens Lake in the Sierra Nevada mountains in southeastern California. It used to be a 200-square-mile perennial lake, which had been around for about 800,000 years until 1913, when the river that fed it was diverted to bring water to Los Angeles, and by the mid-1920s, Owens Lake was dry. For decades, the now desiccated lake bed produced massive amounts of toxic dust, which blew into the wind and became the largest source of dust pollution in the United States, by one estimate emitting almost a million tons annually. The dust contains carcinogens including nickel, cadmium, and arsenic, among other really bad shit. During dust storms, air pollution around the dry lake bed has reached 25 times the level acceptable under national clean air standards. Decades later, in the late 1990s, after people all over the region had been getting sick from breathing this poison dust for years, the city of Los Angeles was finally ordered to start implementing some dust control measures to tamp down some of the toxic dust storms. The only real solution to the problem of these toxic dried lake beds is to fill them back up with water. Obviously, given the nature of the problem, that's not likely to be an option. 
So probably the realistic fix is to focus on dust suppression plans, like planting saline-resistant grasses or something like that. It will be expensive to implement any kind of plan in these areas, but obviously it will be less expensive and far more humane than simply letting these desiccating waterways become carcinogenic dust bowls. Better yet would be to improve our water management before they run dry, but it may be too late for some of the places mentioned here and many others. But that said, going forward, there are plenty of opportunities to prevent such catastrophes looming in our future that haven't happened yet, if we can start to rethink some things. If you enjoyed this episode, please follow and leave a rating or review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to help other people find it. Tell your friends about it. And if you want to support the pod directly and help keep new episodes coming, you can donate to the show through the link at the bottom of the show notes. Connect and stay in the loop on the website, failedutopia.com or the Facebook page at Failed Utopia Pod. Failed Utopia episodes are written and produced by me, Anna Roberts. The burning palm tree painting featured on the cover is by artist Perry Vasquez. My intro music is by Elliot Middleton. See you next time.